Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember... Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to Blood and Mud. The podcast. The podcast that wants neither a hard nor a soft Brexit. No. Instead, we want a, a sort of chewy Brexit. Yeah. So we, like can, the... we can live forever as a free nation existing like a kind of curly-whirly. That's what I want. Yeah, the, in, the interior of a tree bore soft mint Brexit. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. It's like squidgy yeah. but a little bit chewy. That's fine. Yeah, an Everton mint centre Brexit <laughs> is what we want. <laughs> I am you, Lee. You don't see them. You don't see them proposing that in one of the yeah. alternatives. You don't see yeah. Andy Good ranting about that on Twitter, do you? What kind <laughs> of ideas has he got? Uh, I'm Lee. Hi. And I'm over there Josh. is. Yes, I, I remain Josh. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the pod, it's, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud, or I'm on Lee at bloodandmud.com. And how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner at RugbyShirtWatch RugbyShirtWatch.com. Uh, don't email me. <laughs> Don't at me, don't email me. Don't, don't speak to me, uh, Josh's yeah. view of the world. No. Is. I'm only I, on I, broadcast and it's not very cheerful. <laughs> exactly, I'm, I'm pure broadcast. I'm none of this interaction, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, speaking of broadcast? Anything exciting this weekend? Uh, I went to a wedding of uh, one of my oldest and dearest friends. Well, that's good. Uh, it was somebody you cared about. It wasn't some random yeah. sort of like old mate of your partners who they've not really spoken to for a while they've been invited to out of politeness because they're the yeah, worst no, that would be teasing. no it was very nice uh it was as we were talking about just before we came on air it had that wonderful moment where somebody says at the table with uh several strangers at uh 
that oh you do a podcast don't you and the, literally the last thing you want to do is say yes because the, <laughs> despite appearances to the contrary we're not massive egomaniacs that like to talk about doing this all the time <laughs> yeah uh, yes, i'm a bit more than than josh is of an egomaniac likes talking about it but even i'm a bit like yeah i don't really want it brought up at a wedding no, yeah i don't really want to talk about it in front of strangers it makes me seem like a massive dick it's, it also but, sounds hey, like it's a plant doesn't it you know tell yes, people I do like, a podcast oh yeah i'd, love, talk I'd love to talk about that yeah uh but yes, so that was a good laugh. You went up to Murrayfield. I went up to Murrayfield. I was, I was up at four o'clock in the morning to get the uh, the Rattler up to Murrayfield. Oh, went to crew. crew at seven in the morning, where I did see a, a Munster fan in full kit. Well, well, shirt and scarf. Fair play. Munster fans are bloody belting, by the way. I tell you what, they travel in unbelievable they travel in numbers. numbers. And one thing I learned about them sitting amongst them for the first time, because it is the first time I've sat amongst them, is that they like Munster... And more yes. than that, they would very much like Munster to come on. That's yes. a very specific repeated instruction that they would like Munster to come on. I'm not going to carry that on, the joke that I was about to <laughs> yeah, make. Yeah, don't do that. Yes. Don't yes. do that. Uh, yeah, so on the, then I got a train down to London. There was a guy sat in front of me on the train back from London. I was, I was in the back-to-back. You're doing the full triangle, aren't you? Yeah, it was you? mad, wasn't it? Then I drove yeah. back to North Wales from, from London on, after Mother's Day. And anyway, so the guy was in front of me and he was falling asleep for two hours mm. and for the entire two hours he was sat in front of me falling asleep his head kept falling left and banging on the window I mean, like every 40 is, seconds so every 40 seconds it'd go Ugh. and his head and his head would fly back up again but he never thought I need to stop doing it he just keeps waking yeah, me up and I keep, I I keep twatting my head on the rimba yeah, window and he's just so fully lean or I need to <laughs> put my head forward wake up. do something yeah. other than this because it was, I felt like ramming my own coat in between the window and his head eventually. <laughs> but yeah, that was quite annoying. Beautiful part of the world, though. I sat all the way on the train through Berwick yeah. on Tweed and all that. Very nice. Beautiful. I, I was devastated at the, the wedding venue that we stayed at to discover that it's quite a fancy wedding venue. It's at Fairy Hill down uh, down Swansea Way, where I discovered uh, on the weekend Corrie Hill uh, broke a uh, giant life size ceramic sheep. By trying to uh, ride it, so sort I, of imagine like if you'd see, been there while he did that. That'd be the greatest player spotted that's ever ever been submitted like, or seen. It's sort of like a, a st- like a, a player spotted on delay. I was given it by a, a third party, <laughs> but yeah, they had eight of these ceramic sheep originally, like the lamb and, banana uh, in Liverpool. Have you ever been to Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. The lamb There's five yeah. left. Um, <laughs> Corey Hill broke it. <laughs> Corey Hill broke one. Um, the other two apparently were just ruined at all other fucking weddings Probably, that they yeah. have. Because if you give people life-size sheep in Wales... Yeah, only and they are drunk. There's only one thing that's going to happen in there. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Speaking of player spotted, should we make a start with player spotted? I, 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 I thought we'd segue into that, yeah. Could you? Well done. Okay. And well done for pronouncing segue properly, because that well, one listener would like yeah. that or get upset. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes I do it. Sometimes I pronounce it wrong now to wind that guy up. <laughs> I don't even know who it is. But yeah, so. Then sometimes I just forget and pronounce <laughs> it wrong anyway. Player spotted. Uh, Lloyd Maliphant gets in touch on Twitter. Fantastic name. It's an way. incredible name. Incredible name. And says, Player spotted. I saw Henry Slade at the Double Locks pub in Exeter. He laughed at my stepdad's dog who was visibly upset at being near a canal, my stepdad had no idea who he was. I mean, I don't think that gives me the rosiest picture of Henry Slade, if I'm honest. Laughing at a frightened dog, dog. yeah. Yeah. What kind of man are you? Yeah. 
That's not the kind of British person that we want living in the curly whirly chewy yeah. Brexit. Yeah. Sort yourself out, Henry. Apologise to that dog. We'll try this one on for size as well then. Nopaddy, not Nopawi Waddy. Some great names coming through this week. Uh, reaches in with a direct mither. Mm. And he says, hello, lads, I've got a play spot for you. I was popping into the local GP in Southam about 4.30 Thursday afternoon, hoping to book an appointment. Haha, <laughs> you'd be lucky. GP appointment <laughs> joke there. <laughs> hey, where Ooh. I've seen... Uh, aren't GP's receptionist miserable, eh? There you go. There's another brilliant <laughs> bit of observational comedy. Um, Honestly, this is just like Jimmy Tarver <laughs> in 1993. <laughs> like Ben Elton and his pomp. Uh, the... Um, <laughs> He said, where I, in the GPs, I saw Wasp's very own self-proclaimed enforcer, Charlie Matthew. Right. Driving off in his smart car, 4-2. Oh, oh so, no. So Wasp's lock, Charlie Matthew, that in, is a, a sh- in a smart 4-2 car. And Napawi says, I was speechless. Well, you would be. I'm, the vi- how is he? How is he fitting in that? This brings to mind Ian Henderson with his with his when we interviewed Ian Henderson, if you don't remember, or you're a new listener. We interviewed Ian Henderson once when we used to actually get people of importance. Oh, and, on his, here. and his mini. He had an actual not not a new mini, an original mini. Mm. And I said, How the hell do you fit in that then? And it turns out his brother was a mechanic who'd taken the front seats out. <laughs> <laughs> and he sat in the back seat to drive it like a proper like comedy sketch. Charlie Matthews is six foot eight. In a sport, a smart. They are quite high. A smart four two, though, aren't they? Does that not create I'm, more legroom? So a smart four two's dimensions are. Oh, this is 2. it. This 6. is what the fucking radio is all about. Come on. A two point six meters long by uh, one point six meters wide and one point five meters high. So I'm just I'm staggered as to how he fits in that. Well, there you go, Chris. There's the it. challenge. Have you seen a bigger player fitting into a smaller car? That's the <laughs> challenge that goes out from here. You can get in touch with player spots. It's elite at bloodandmud.com or you can do the direct mither or, or whatever, really. Just, you know. Yeah. We're, we're listening. Just shout loud and see if we hear you. No yeah, idea. You definitely won't. Um, a big shout out to all the people I met this weekend, though. Speaking of people oh, yeah. who did shout loud. Uh, listeners all and lovely people I've met. Fiona, the, the, who makes lovely brownies, which I didn't eat because I don't like brownies, but she was very nice to meet. I met the guy behind Edinburgh Rugby, Alistair, who was lovelyly helpful all the way through this by telling me about the bag policy at Murrayfield and make sure I didn't fall, you know, fall foul of that and help me and had a lovely chat. I met Graham Love of the Large Gingerbread and the Scottish Hype yeah. Train account, who was very, very, very funny, nice man. indeed. Yeah. And and numerous and Johnny, Johnny, you I met Johnny, who's coming down to Judgment Day on the 27th of April, all the way from Scotland. Bloody hell, that's a long way. better buy him a drink, I suppose. average games of rugby, yeah. (laughs) It's better buy him a drink, I suppose. But yes, thank you all for making me feel so welcome. Can we just rewind to the part where you said you don't like brownies? Yeah, I don't like any kind of sticky chocolate cake. It's too rich for for me. I can do a kind of bland chocolate sponge is about as much as I go, but only if I really have to, out of politeness. I thought I knew you, honestly. I just, just yeah, totally I'm, a, I'm quite a bland. That. I like. I only like vanilla. I don't like. I don't like chocolate flavored things either. Do you know what? My dad doesn't. like I like chocolate, but things. I don't like. He chocolate. likes chocolate. But yeah. He doesn't like chocolate. Chocolate milkshake, shite. Chocolate ice cream, shite. Not interesting. In the same way, I like tomato flavored things, but I don't really like tomatoes on their own. I don't like tomatoes unless they're cooked. 
Yeah, but I do like ketchup and I do like tomato sauce. I do like tomato yeah. pasta sauce and things. I'll have tomatoes in anything. What, what other tomato flavored things are there apart from the eighties crisps, crisps. Walkers made? I was going to say crisps, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, a, a pasta sauce, a marinara sauce, any sort of cooked tomato thing. Salsa, all over it. salsa, salsa. I can eat that. Yeah, really like it. Yeah, but give me a tomato on its own, get fucked. Weird thing, not into it. Shall anyway, we talk about the news? news? The news that isn't that fucking you know, bombshell that we just had there. Um, biggest bit of news, breaking news, in fact, um, is that Gavin Henson will not be offered a contract extension at the Dragons, and so might that might be the end of his career. He's 37 now. He's 37. I can't see him just wanting to play for the sake of playing in like the Welsh Premiership or... Yeah, or maybe he will. I don't know. It depends on how much how like how much hunger he's got left for the game. But I do wonder if you know. I quite like him to just sign for the Scarlets just so that he can have played for all four regions. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if he's on the cheap, there's worse players that they could have as a reserve 10, 12, 13, 15, whatever. He's probably uh, going to be a player who's less likely to desperately need the money. Yeah, he's probably, you know, what with his reality TV exploits and presumably his decent wage when he was a player. And his endorsements and things that he's had. And his endorsements and all that stuff. I do wonder if... His child support must be massive, though. Yeah, there is that as well. Hmm. I don't know, but no, well, yeah, it is truly the end of an era, though, isn't it? If he's uh, he's finally going to retire. If he does retire, I think... I would genuinely be very sad, not just because I've enjoyed watching Gav a lot in his career, but because he will probably go down as one of the great unfulfilled potential rugby people ever. Yeah, and it's difficult, isn't it, to say somebody who's won a Grand Slam but an integral part of it is an unfulfilled potential. Two, but I suppose yeah. that was the... Two, of course, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That, but that was kind of the beginning. There's been a sort of wilderness years, hasn't there? Well, yeah, if he'd have stayed playing rugby... You know what this yeah. sounds like this might need... To, to understand this properly. It sounds like it needs a Patreon episode dedicated to Gavin Henson's career. Honestly, that will be one of a, a genuine joy. Let's do that. A, we can get Luke Upton on maybe if he's up for that. Yeah, if you're listening, Luke, give yeah. us a shout. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's news. Any more news? Um, Mike Ford uh, is going to try and sort out the Tigers' shambolic attack with, what, five games left of the season? Good luck with that. Um while the WRU blocked uh, Le- uh, Leicester's attempt to get Sean Edwards in to short out their shambolic defence. Um, both of those attempted or actual appointments uh, ringing endorsement for Jordan Murphy's uh, long-term job prospects, I'd say. Isn't it just? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah, he's definitely going to be there next Like in season. children's uh, adult social care, they talk about bringing in a team around the family to sort out troubled families. It feels a bit like that, doesn't it? A, t- yeah. a team around the coach. To try and yeah, um, sort it in, out. They brought him. in players to sort, you know, to to support you in this in this role. Yeah, we're no. not here to take over. We're here to, you know, your <laughs> voice will still be doing. Jordan. It's your <laughs> voice is very important in this yeah. process. You're still you're still definitely the head coach of this team. Definitely, your voice is incredibly important as long as it's saying yes, I'll do that if you yeah, want me to. I totally agree. <laughs> Um, uh, other news Aaron Smith is staying in New Zealand for the World Cup which is I didn't know surprising. he was possibly not going to. well everyone's fucking off meanwhile Ryan Crotty is off to Japan as are most other All Blacks it seems um, but yeah no Aaron Smith is staying um, Lee Halfpenny said he'd consider retiring due to um, 
the three months sort of concussion layoff that he had. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, should be yet another red flag about player welfare and head injuries that certain people will totally continually ignore for entirely political reasons, I'm sure. Um, and uh, loads of people have done incredibly unfunny April Fool's jokes. Uh, fuck them all. April Fool's Day used to be just a chance to have a bit of a laugh when you were in school. Yeah. And you know what has happened now is, is that the fucking grown-ups have taken over it, and Absolutely. as usual, that's ruined everything. Well, when the time was where there were three channels and four newspapers, there was a finite amount of fucking April Fool's bullshit. But now that every one of the 17,000 media outlets in the world, plus every fucking brand on the planet and sports team and fucking, I don't know, blancmange in the world, <laughs> just wants to have an April Fool joke, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it's just too much. It's rubbish. And it all is. the jokes are shit. People I'm still amazed are, by people who get suckered in by it, though. That is quite... Massive, amazing. yeah. And people it's who people I know, have... we look at people on Twitter and you think, I, I, I'm, I've, I'm aware of your output on Twitter and I know you have a brain. <laughs> How on earth have you, have you let, let yourself... Thing. Yes. But yeah, it's terrible and it should stop immediately. Yeah, can't stand it. I think, what did I call it? Yeah, I wish... I can't remember now. It does matter in anyway. I wish I could unlearn how to read when basically I get to some of those fucking things. Anyway, that's the news. Now then, yes. quite a big weekend. We've already talked about me going to Edinburgh, but yeah. as the game, you know, you often go into European weekend, don't you? And there's lots of hype, let's be honest. There's lots of hype. For example, BT Sport saying um, that Keith Earls showed superhuman skill. Oh to God, score that, that try, it was like he literally thing. dived in the corner. It was a, I That's actually thought it was a decent finish, but it's, it's what finish. you'd expect any professional well, winger to be able well, to do. I can't remember who it was on the commentary. It was like textbook. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly mm. what it is. It's a textbook yeah, winger's it was, finish. And it was an unfussy, brilliant professional, very good professional winger's finish. Yeah. Superhuman skills. Yeah. No. He just went aerial because he's an athlete. He should be able to do that. Yeah. Speaking on... Con- I have to say, though, hmm. once again, the quarterfinals, best bit of the Champions Cup. Like, yes. For pure entertainment value, quality of rugby, general fucking sit on the couch, basking rugby's brilliant for a weekend. Like, the quarterfinals are the best part of the competition. We've had four brilliant, like, different, compelling games this weekend. And, like, it's been that way for a couple of years now, on and off. Like last year, we had Scarlett's La Rochelle, which was a great game, mm. Leinster v Sarries, which was a great game, Claremont Racing, which was a great game, and Munster Toulon, which was a great game in its own way. Like, there's something about this stage of the season that just brings out the best in the competition, I think, because you've got like eight really good teams, and the stakes are high enough that there's a tension and an intensity about it, but they're not so high that nobody bothers to play any fucking rugby. And that's great. And to be honest, let's not bother with the rest of it because Leinster Sarries in the final is going to be fucking unwatchable. <laughs> but to talk about the games this weekend, I was, I would, let's go chronologically, I suppose. I went to Edinburgh yeah, to watch this game. You did. Lovely experience. I recommend anybody who can go up. If Edinburgh, and I th- there's no reason to believe that Edinburgh won't keep getting to this kind of game because mm. he's building quite a squad there, Cockrell, I think. Yeah, absolutely um, is. So if you do get a chance to go, because tickets are always available, the very, I got sort of like virtually on the halfway line or the 10 metre line. For like thirty quid, it's definitely Ugh, it's definitely worth going. I have to say though that decent game, plenty of drama. The box kick, oh the box kicking, man. Oh, the box TNP. kicking, unbelievably bad. Oh, and uh, I think I said you know Henry Pergos's 
service is slower than a harvester on Mother's Day because, but then again, I suppose when you, <laughs> I have to say Edinburgh, I've said this after the games view people, I didn't want to kind of, you know, I went into kind of pod mode after some of the Edinburgh fans and I was like, but it's when you're looking somebody in the eye and telling them how the team has completely just fucked that up. It feels kind of cruel. It's easier to do it down this microphone. So I'm going to do that now. So Edinburgh completely and utterly fucked that. Yeah, this was the weekend that the underdogs fucked it. (laughs) Let's be honest, with the exception of Toulouse. Like, Edinburgh had it right in their hands. It was there for them, and they fucked it. Ulster literally had the winning points and the best wing in the world fucked it. For all the analysis and structure and all that data and science-led shit that, like, dominates rugby these days... The thing that makes sport so compelling is that, like, still, like, experience, will, composure, these intangible fucking things that you can't coach or analyse, has a huge impact on the results of the game. Like, I was gutted for Edinburgh and Ulster because they'll be kicking themselves about Saturday for years. But you've got to hand it to Munster and to Leinster. They've been there before. They knew what it took, and they didn't let the occasion get to them at all and Edinburgh certainly absolutely let the occasion get to them right at the end and it was well they let it get to them right at the beginning it was like the first 15 minutes when they were basically I think three penalties they had in the 22 I've not looked at Simon Gleave on Twitter he's very good at the stats about points per 22 entry I've not looked at his for this game because for Edinburgh it must be really depressing but at the Edinburgh were down that they, they Kick for the corner repeatedly, which is always a problem because I think that early you should just take the points and go yeah. for that anyway. But it's then when they did have a chance, they kept kick. They had when they were under the post, they did probably relentless pick and go over and over again. When I was and, I, and you probably couldn't see it on telly, but I was sat in the ground and there was a fucking overlap and enough and a pitch the size of the Sudan on the right hand side <laughs> that they basically decided to completely ignore. And how no, you know, you often wonder in those situations, is the per, is the outside half fucking screaming for it, and everyone's mm. ignoring him? Is he not screaming for it? Surely he can't be not screaming for it, or is it so loud he just nobody can hear what he's screaming? Because something must have been broken there, or it is just just a white line fever. You know what they say about dominant senses? You know, when a dog's onto a scent, they can't hear you. Yeah, when you shout at them, there is something about forwards. You know, when they see the white line, they cannot see, smell, or hear anything else, no matter what you tell them. It is a bit of a sort of... uh, It's a bit of a... Yeah, the white line fever cliche is... It's it's a genuinely true thing. I think it is with the forwards in particular, because they know they're just supposed to drive up. That's why I've got a big problem. Pergos is... Um, service was slow, but to be fair to him, the Munster line was set a lot. So taking your time sometimes is, especially for a kick, is something you might as well well do. But in that situation, that's why I had a problem with him because it was just like, why are you not looking? Because you wouldn't expect a forward, he's just picking it up and sticking his head in there. Mm. Why are you as a scrum half not looking to see who's calling or who's... And that's what's so frustrating. He was truly quite poor, Pergos, really. Yeah, you just didn't have any kind of grip of the game. And when, you know... Conor Murray actually looked a bit more like Conor Murray this weekend, I thought. In after. that kind of perfect basics sort of way. Yeah, and, know, therein, yeah. and therein lies the thing, I think, is that he, when you've got somebody like Murray opposite you, you've got to be on the top of your game and you've got to exercise control and you've got to exercise a certain degree of, of 
bravery with it as well, you know? Like, but they just didn't do it. So there was that when they could have been three or six points up off the bat. And then, of course, what happens? As soon as Munster get to the other end, they score. And that's all credit to Munster. They had, like, you know, they basically have ball, score, try is what they do effectively. And then you add the situation with the elbow from Schumann. We'll come mm. on to Tyburn later on, but it was still a stupid fucking thing to do, whether he did a die, whether he made the most of it or not. He absolutely did, but yeah. He absolutely did, but you don't give him the, situ- the chance to make the most of it, do you? No, exactly. You can call him out for it, but also the other guy for it as well. One thing that was funny, when Edinburgh were chasing the game, I was sat with a guy, I went with a guy from work, and he, he's not a, he likes rugby, but he's not a huge fan, he enjoyed the day out. And um, they had a, a, a line-out later on, and they swapped McAnally for Ross Ford. <laughs> Did you notice? And um, he came on. I said to I honestly got. I said to the guy anything. sat next to me, and I said, "Scotland, uh, Edinburgh just sent on this guy called Ross Ford, right?" I said, "Watch how fucking badly this lineup's going to go." <laughs> and, and of course, he threw it in, and it went fucking all over the shop, and he lost the ball again. And, he, and, and the guy next to me was laughing, and that's exactly what happened. So a combination of you know, you know, when you look at it, you think, "Why have you made that substitution?" I don't because I don't think mm. McNally was injured. No. Well, that is the problem. As good as those sort of things in the back of the jersey that can sort of give you, tell you when a player's slowing down and a player's sort of starting to blow and is not hitting rucks hard enough and is not getting up from rucks quick enough, etc., etc. There is still something to be said for a tired McAuley. Yes. A superior option. Yeah, okay, he might not be getting back into the line quick enough, but he's still better than Ross Ford ever was and is certainly better than the fucking ancient ghost of Ross Ford that currently <laughs> inhabits the number 16 jersey at Edinburgh from time to time. And it's also that thing about, I don't understand, it's like changing in football, changing defenders on a set piece, <clears> you know. It doesn't seem to make any sense. And it doesn't no, seem doing to make it on the line now, just don't give them any time yeah. to get Your first thing to do is to hit this thing where somebody's jumping against it, which yeah, they're going to probably do. the hardest thing that your job requires doing. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. I've got a bit of an issue with planned substitutions, as a lot of people do, because they don't seem to make a great deal of sense. And they don't... Making substitutions at the right time is about the only thing that a coach has to do except for pick the team. On a match on day. On a match day, yeah, and, you're right. <laughs> and if you get that wrong, it's like, fuck me. What a half-time do? team talk and sending the subs out at the right time. And sometimes not even that. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something about it, because I'll never know, it isn't just, you can't, data, I'm not an anti-data and stats person at all. No, no, no. But it's about understand, you know, look at what's in front of you in a game and whether or not you think it's going to make, mm. I don't understand how bringing Ross Ford on would have, you look at that and think that will make a demonstrable difference to the outcome of this game. Yeah. A positive like one. And it's a negative match winner. It's a negative thing you're getting from McAnally right now. And you're going to get enough Outweighed, positive yeah. from it doesn't make and for me I, I couldn't understand the thinking on that. One thing yeah. I do know is that I mean when Edinburgh did sorry, when again Munster scored that second try, it never ever looked like Edinburgh were going to score again. I think yeah. the kind of ghost in their mind of how they couldn't score in the first 15 minutes, that's what I mean about the game being lost quite early, is in the first 15 minutes, Munster had held them out or through some poor yeah. stuff by Edinburgh as well. And then all of a sudden you're knackered. You got, I think there was eight minutes left or six minutes left after they scored. And you're then going, right, I've now got to fucking get through this again now. Mm. And Munster just put nobody, nobody into the ruck for the past eight minutes. And that was interesting because it was a game that actually 
was one of the better games that I've seen in terms of both teams competing at the breakdown properly and well. It and was for a chunk of the game, yeah. And then, but then right at the end, Munster was just like, "Yeah, not interested." You just anymore. keep running out. We'll tackle you all day. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darcy so, uh, Gray was going to be a fucking megastar, by the way. Yes, yeah, he is. Even I mean that he's run aside, great. which was ridiculous. He's just he's he's superb. He's absolutely he's superb. superb. Seeing him up he's, close, he's he's superb. He's just one of those players that I think he's what twenty, twenty-one, something like that. Hmm. He's he, he's gonna get better as well, you know. Mm. And that's in, that's a very exciting. And it's nice to see him like players like him and Colby actually still, yeah, being such and you know prominent bags players. Of fun, and it's like you know rugby as a game for all shapes and sizes sort of thing might not be true anymore, but it's nice when little fellas can still make an impact like that, you know. Saracens then played Glasgow. Yeah. Which I didn't see much of because I was having to like walk and get on trains and things. I only saw fleeting glimpses of. Um, yeah. Um, Alex, what I've seen, Alex Good, excellent again. Well, yeah, if, if Eddie Jones doesn't think Alex Good is an international 15, how does he feel about trying him at 10? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, we all knew he's a good footballer and a good reader of the game and a versatile player, but I didn't think he had that kind of performance in him at 10. Like, Against a team as good as Glasgow, yeah. he ran the show. And Saris didn't miss Owen Farrell at all. And he generally played a huge part in them dominating that game in the second half. And like I know he's played 10 before, but I don't think he's played it that well uh, in such a big game. Mm. That, you know, it, it, was a, it was a Sarri statement game, to be honest. It really was, wasn't it? They, always, they tend to have these every year after the Six Nations, don't they? Yeah, right. Right, everyone's <laughs> back now. About. You were yeah. all thinking that maybe that we weren't going to come and just basically wipe all of your arses and kick you out of the house, and that's what we're yeah. going to do. So, yeah, and with you know with Leinster stuttering a little bit, it it does make you think. Yeah, like who are the who's the team to beat in Europe this season? I'm sort of leaning towards Saris now. It's like yeah, yeah it's, I think it's Leinster. Or, I think it's Leinster or Saris still. Yeah. I think we're going to come on to the Leinster game in a minute, but as much as I'd have, I'd have loved to see an Ulster win that game, as we all would, if you're not a Leinster fan. Um, yeah. There's something about that would have been great, but what happens next when Ulster come up against Toulouse or Ulster come up against Saracens? Mm. You know, it's not going to make for a good last couple of rounds of the tournament, is it? It was like the no. World Cup in Korea in Japan where the fucking group stage was outstanding and it all were turned shit because yeah, all the big play, all the big teams are out and it was just a crushing inevitability about every knockout game, basically. <laughs> no, it's very true. And I think that, you know, the the semifinals are fucking good semifinals. But, you know, Munster will not be overawed by going to, well, going to Coventry. And... <laughs> <laughs> and Toulouse won't be overawed by going back to the RDS either, you know. So it's it's interesting. Actually, it's not going to be the RDS, is it? it's going to be the Viva. But uh, yeah, it's they're they're two very good semi-finals. But I still kind of wish the results had gone a different way in in fifty percent of the games. But yeah, Saris just look incredibly efficient, incredibly deep. You know, yes. you can lose the best, the best fly off in the world can pull out before kickoff, and 
it's fine. You can just bring in a test winger, you know, a retired test winger, admittedly, but you can mm. bring Dave Strattle in. You can put, you know, <laughs> you can move arguably the best 15 in the world to his preferred position of fullback. And it's, you know, teams shouldn't be able to do that, really. But that is the game that we are. Glasgow Living did magnificently continue with the Scottish theme of having management consultancy or solicitors firms people. Yes. Uh, their number 13 this year, this weekend being Stafford McDowell. <laughs> it was quite obviously a, a LLC. Yeah. yeah, LLC, yeah. There's so yeah. many of them, isn't there? So we've got to be Fra- Fraser Brown, Xander Fagerson. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Some others, yes. But uh, yeah. What's funny about that... Saracens is pack. You've got Cruis and Itoji, haven't you, and Vinopola and George. But the props aren't people you're going to say are screaming for international call-ups, are they? And well, I, Skel- and, I mean, the what they've done with Will Skelton's quite remarkable. Honestly, I was going to put it in, but good, but I'll just say it now. The, remember how shit he was when he arrived at Saracen? Remember how fat he was? Yeah, 18 months ago that was. We used to joke that he was just, you know, a large man who didn't have any idea how to play rugby. That's been knocked into a cocked hat, hasn't it? He's and there's, there's something shit hot now. Yeah, and this, there's this idea that if you leave the Southern Hemisphere, you can't get any better. That's obviously a view in the Southern absolute Hemisphere. That, you know, bollocks, you're not good enough yeah. to play on there, so you go somewhere else, and that's the end of it. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense, as demonstrated by Will Skelter. But certainly, if you go to this into the Saracen Sausage Factory, you come out a much better yeah. banger. Yeah, and you know, I kept wrong with that analogy, didn't I? Absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> When you think about, you know, Australia as a World Cup this year, it's like, how have they not done everything in their Remember the Gito rule? They'll have to have a skeleton rule now. Would you have thought about that 18 months ago? Yeah, more than 16 caps. (laughs) He's all he's got. It's like, this guy's got 16 international caps, and he is fucking good. There'll be an asterisk on everything, won't there? Unless you... Mm -hmm. Asterisk, unless you're Matt Gitto. Asterisk, unless you've been to Saracens and been through their conditioning (laughs) programme. Here's an idea. Just let... For a World Cup year, just fucking throw everything in the bin and just let coaches pick whoever the fuck they want. Yeah, let's just live in the now, shall we? Yeah, with basically what basically what South Africa have done. Yes, I've just gone. Let's not worry about this until after the World no, Cup. Indeed, you do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, that game was you know for a minute there when they scored and scored a really lovely try at the start. I lost myself. Yeah, I thought, oh hello, and when it. <laughs> When they were still in touch at half time, I thought, "How are they still in touch at half time?" <laughs> the Saracens have been absolutely dominant. I was watching it on um, my phone in a pub, and then I had to turn it off, and I turned it back on like ten minutes after half time. I was like, "Oh right, okay, Ooh, yeah, it is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Uh, I I feel for Glasgow. You know, Glasgow. I didn't think that. They weren't. They're not as bad a team as that. No, they're not. Scoreline no, suggests. No, not. I think they could. They just caught Saracens on a very Saracens day. They did, and I think they caught themselves on a slightly. Oh, we're all a little bit tired after the Six Nations, and it's just. Hmm. Yeah, can we be bothered? And the answer to that question is resoundingly <laughs> no. No, no. Well, they could be bothered. That's not fair. They were trying, but I just think that the fact is, is that Saracens, if they play their best, a bit like Leinster, if they absolutely play their best. Very few people can beat them. Yeah. And when they when they're feeling it and they're on it like that, they can make a lot of decent and good teams look quite shit. Which they did. 
There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all-new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan. Innovation that excites. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Do you want to talk Leinster? Well, Jacob Stockdale's never going to do that again, is he? <laughs> At least I hope he won't. Honestly. Un- unforgivable, Brian See, O'Driscoll said. Like, I honestly feel like it's unfair because it feels like he's suddenly got a decade's worth of like ash splash karma dumped onto him <laughs> in the, the first time he tries it. Like A lot of people you know, say it's inexcusable, but it's not like the the Burns one in for Bath in the group stages where he was like celebrating before he went over the line. It was just poor technique. Well, but poor that situation. is inexcusable. Well, it, arguably, yes, but it's not like he was showboating or mugging. Like That's true. Good, I'll give you that one. He wasn't yeah, He wasn't like, showboating. It's, it's poor technique and situational awareness that, to be honest with you, somebody should have fucking coached that out of him by now. Like... The fact that he's an international winner. I do winner. love a ball put down with one hand, though. If it had come Me off, too, it would look so cool. Oh, yeah. Whipped it's it down with one hand and then just walked right off with his arm up. When you're in traffic like that, yeah, you should have the sense. Well, you just fall over. For... You just fall over. Contra- well, well, contrast it with, you know, you could see that he realises that he's overrun the in-goal area mm. and it's too late for him to, to dive, so he just tries to put it down and fucks it up, which you got to feel for him, but, like... It's just casual and it's sloppy, and you contrast that with what we were saying earlier with the Earl's finish. Mm. Which, I mean, obviously, way too much hype. It's a good... Yeah, yeah, it's but, what, yeah no, it was a great... A great a good it was exactly good, what good experience you'd winger expect should an international experienced winger to do there, yeah. Yeah, you're near the touchline, you're in traffic, you've got the ball in two hands, you dive for the line, you keep low, and you get your feet up in the air, and you're going to score that. That's what an experienced quality finisher does in that situation. And that's what poor bloody Stockdale just forgot. He'd, he'd done all that hard work and then he forgot everything that he'd ever been taught or learned. And it's interesting, actually. I think it might have been Murray Kinsella brought up on Twitter that, like, what he, one of his youth coaches, like, flagged the fact that he was an amazingly talented player, but one of his big weaknesses was that he just doesn't know how to fucking just dive over the line properly and he never does it properly and he's got and like this is going back to youth rugby and under 20s rugby where his ability to just do a standard winger's finish or a standard rugby player's finish is not very good and it's something about put... he seems to have found every level of rugby quite simple mm. he's fact he's come it seems which is not to say he hasn't worked hard at it but he's, it's, yeah. it seems to have come relatively easy to him it's so yeah. natural to him but has he not had to work as hard at technique as anybody? But he's obviously clearly worked very hard on chip and chase techniques and positioning well, yeah. and things like that. Or, or has he? Maybe it just becomes comes mm. so natural to him, and maybe this is this reveals something about 
where you know the hard work beats talent thing you know yeah um speaking of players who found transition into senior rugby incredibly easy james ryan is i don't think he's human (laughs) i'm not now that's superhuman skills bt sport just being james ryan seven fucking tackles and 21 carries the intensity right. in that game, by the way, was was fucking, fucking unbelievable. unbelievable. I thought they were going to rip a hole in the space-time continuum <laughs> if it carried on. Unbelievable. 20, 27 tackles and 21 carries for somebody who's so young, he's still getting ID'd. Like, <laughs> Especially in America, you'd have no oh, chance. Yeah, absolutely. I but got like, ID'd in America, and I'm grey. <laughs> they, they have to in America. They, they're, they're legally required to card everyone, where you, which is where you get ridiculous situations with 60-year-old men being refused entry to places <laughs> because they don't have ID. Yeah, my mate says when we got out, he said, bring your passport with you. I said, why? He said, you might get ID. I was like, I'm 43 years old. He said, no, you might get, he said, no, you might get ID. There's, right, no, okay. there's, no, there's no challenge 21 or 25 or whatever <laughs> yeah, it's the fuck just it is. Everybody has to fucking show. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. So yeah, yes, James Ryan, ridiculous. Yeah, but the whole the intensity, the, the the whole thing was. Uh, it was great, and that's what was great about this weekend was that there were so many games that there were four games, and they were all very different games. And yeah, it's true. That's true. Proper fucking test match level intense fucking physical arm wrestle, which was incredibly compelling. It wasn't high on quality in a, an attacking sense, but. It was just, it just it demonstrated once again that rugby doesn't have to be fucking tries and everything to be mm. really fucking compelling and good. Absolutely. And uh, Stuart McCloskey, remember him? Yes. Oof. Yeah. Now the man bun's gone. Fucking hell, he's a. Like the reverse big, Samson. Big lad, isn't he? He is. Every time I see him, I just think, fucking hell, how is he that big and that quick? And and still just like trying to fucking another one about sometimes the overuse of hyperbole is um, when the um, Stuart McCloskey's pass for their was it the second try or the second try third try where he took it to the line and threw it behind yeah and Ben K said it's an absolute worldie of a pass it's like no that's literally just something they've run through in training (laughs) it was like a screen two pass basically absolutely standard training ground (laughs) that is an absolutely bog standard pass there by but that doesn't sound as good on commentary plus use of the word worldie which should be an instant court martial offence yeah it's the worst word that the English language has ever contrived to not really invent and yet become ubiquitous in its use. Yeah, hate it. Absolutely hate it. Um, speaking of how games are all different and exciting, special little flowers, um, best game of the weekend. Which I've only seen the highlights of, I must admit. Fuck off with your intensity. Fuck off with your quality. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I just want two French teams being fucking mental for 80 minutes because Toulouse, <laughs> Toulouse was... It, yeah, probably the most fun game I've watched all year. What's it funny is loads of people bonkers. saying, weren't they? I mean, look at that. And how could the French team be that bad? It's like, yeah, but if the French team were that bonkers at international level, they'd still be losing as well. It'd just be a nicer thing yes. to watch. Yeah, they'd just be scoring more tries while they were <laughs> It'd just be more fun to watch, yeah. And also, so much of that game was, you know, that the, there were 
there were quality French players involved. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Mm. But a lot of the hard work was not being done by French players. Um, Kano still got it, Annie. he? Oh, Kano, what a signing he is, you know. He's just an absolute beast. Just an horrible and bastard he adds in, that, in the yeah, best he possible adds, way. He adds that horrible edge to Toulouse that I don't think they'd have without him. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it was just such a... And fair play, you know, for Toulouse to, to win that game. You know, having spent most of it down to fourteen men was is an. Do you want to, shall we address the sending off? Yeah, red card. Absolutely fucking. Well, one of the questions. On. Well, yeah, because he, he he you know hit the guy in the face, but uh, yeah, with his shoulder. One of the questions is is that in terms of the law, how I suppose the question that keeps coming up is, had Holmes set himself in a position that you would expect the law to drive. That's what people say. So actually, if the law is meant to drive people down lower, mm. and then, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I'm just working it through, and then Holmes gets himself into a lower position and it still gets whacked in the face, how is, whether the, I think it's the right decision on the day, but how has the law become logically enforceable? So the, the key it's, question is, was he low enough in what the law was trying, is right, is trying to achieve? I think... Like, I don't think he was, to be honest. I don't think he was either. He stooped down. He didn't stoop he down. He kind of bent much. down a bit. He was still he, I, he was still hitting bit. sternum level at best, yeah, I think. At best, and probably more like sort of just above. Now you, know, you can argue that well, what's wrong with that. But what below, I'm saying is, is that below the windpipe. The paradigm shift they're, they're trying to get is not go for <laughs> the middle of the chest. No, the, the the paradigm shift is to hit underneath the rib cage. Yes, you know. and there's all arguments about, well, there's more injuries with people getting kneed in the head. Well, actually, the research doesn't seem to suggest that. But he says you can still get injured by doing that, but it suggests it's... it's the, more like the research is absolutely bit. clear that the tackler and the tackler are more likely to both get really badly whacked if they both go in high. Yeah. That's the, that's what it shows. So they're trying to just move, move away from that, which means less injuries. There will still be some injuries, but less. Well, so, it just bothers... Just, I'm just bored of the same... Like, some people just... Still trying, like, with everything that we know now, with all the high-profile incidents we've seen, with all the players we've had retiring, like, how are there, like, journalists, broadcasters, players, fans, whatever, still trying to defend this? Like, I think, somebody smashing a shoulder into a face or neck and I'm somehow I'm, not worthy of a red card. I'm you know? big enough to put my hand up and say, it's a couple of years ago, I was worried about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. What does it mean to the game? But actually, you look at those games at the weekend with these new protocols in place. That was the only red card. Are you telling me you don't recognise that as a game of rugby? Yeah. And you need to worry about rugby so much that you think you're so worried about what these things are going to do to rugby. Then why did those games look like that then? The yeah, proof exactly. is quite clear that rugby is fucking fine. Yeah. With and these rugby new is protocols. still brilliant when you're not allowed to fucking windpipe someone or smash them in the, the same way it was still brilliant when you, you weren't allowed to like flip them on the red and pile drive them into the ground <clears throat> yeah funnily enough rugby doesn't need to be violent to be no that's true actually yeah and there is a difference between physical, physical and collision violence. and violence yeah yeah and when you get people sort of going all fucking let the boys play or whatever about this like not only does it just massively undermine what world rugby is trying to do to change player behavior because it gives them an out. But it also says, 
I don't care about players being put at risk of serious injury because I don't want anything to impact my entertainment. And they're moaning because they've got, there's a red card and they don't like red cards because they think it ruins games. It sure as shit didn't ruin that game. <laughs> um, yeah, it can do. And, and actually, demonstrably, actually, the team's gone down to 14 men. How many teams down to 14 men have won games in the past two years? Yeah. It constantly keeps coming up. Yeah. I think rugby union, to be specific, the pitch is still not big enough, even with 14 players defending. I agree. Do you know what I mean? There's still not enough. Do you know, and that's not a criticism. So it's not that much now. to worry about. Yeah. Because so, everyone defends narrow easy. anyway. Everyone defends. There's always spare yeah. men in attack because everyone defends narrow. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I just, I think if you look at that in isolation, it's a red card. If you look at it in the course of the game, it's a red card. Did he just get his timing wrong? Was it intentionally? Yeah. Nobody's saying that he, it's this, this mindset that, Red cards are only for deliberate shithousery. Hmm. That's like that's sort of something that kind of was true about five years ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, you'd only really get sent off if you were doing something properly. If you were quite clearly hit. straight arm clotheslining somebody in the head. Yeah, if you were trying to fucking hurt. And that's someone, always been a, be a red bastard. card. Yeah, and that was, and that has and always will be a red card. The difference that I think so many people are struggling with is that a red card is not just there to punish intentionally naughty behavior it's there to protect players that's the reason it's there and they're deliberately just, using the sanction to change the way people tackle yeah yeah they're using it to make now, sure that players stop being dangerous if you don't like themselves that, and others that's fine but it's a bit yeah. disingenuous to pretend that that isn't the reason there isn't evidence to support it now it mm. could be and i've got nothing wrong with people saying i'm not sure the evidence is strong enough that's fine and it could be in a yeah. few years time we go actually you know yeah. what we might need to look at this again because the evidence is showing this. But you have to be evidence-led, don't you? Yeah. And the people, I, the reason why people don't want to be evidence-led, and I admit I was that same person a couple of years ago, is that they think it will compromise the nature of the sport. Yeah. Again, I come back to watch those games this weekend. How do you think the sport it has hasn't. been compromised? Yeah. It hasn't. No. And, it, and it, you know, we enjoy watching rugby. We enjoy the spectacle. We enjoy the physicality. We enjoy the big hits. We enjoy all of this stuff. We don't want that to change, you know. And, you know, fundamentally selfish people that we are, <laughs> like we don't, you know, we don't want this thing that we enjoy to become somehow worse. But the reality is that it hasn't become worse at all. There's also the issue you know, that... Sorry. Like like you, you know, we we both sat here when they changed the head contact. Had a proper rules. hysterical had reaction a proper to fucking, it. We went proper fucking hell and love joy about it, <laughs> and it it was fine, and we were wrong, and that was a fucking lesson for me because I got so fucking hit up about that, and it was fine, and it was weird for a couple of weeks, and then they adjusted. And rugby was fine again. There's also a lot of people are saying, and I can understand where this view comes from as well, about the, the you know, an exercise of free will, you know, that actually you know the risks, you might get mm. whacked round the head, you're choosing to take that anyway, you might break your back in a scrum, you might do all kinds of things. Mm. Um, so therefore it's up to you. And I, I can I can appreciate that argument actually. There is an element of as an adult you go, like if you went and did, I don't know, fucking bungee jumping jumping or something. But there yeah. has to be a but even with that, even with free will, there has to be a risk assessment and there has to be a conclusion and also the well, yeah, point I would make is good luck making that argument when you've got a class action lawsuit against your governing body mm. 
And because also, they, they will no doubt make the free will argument, but it doesn't tend to fly. That's the other side of this that nobody wants to talk about. They have to actually demonstrate some kind of corporate responsibility to sort in this out so that when the claims come, because believe me, they will come. Oh, yeah. They've got something. And we can say we hate that, and that's not what should dictate sport, but you either live in the reality of where we are now, and we've mentioned this before, you've mentioned it, if you can't insure the thing because it's too risky, it won't that's exist. The end of rugby. Yeah. And, and also, you know, yeah, people have to sign waivers and they take, you know, a certain degree of personal responsibility for bungee jumping or going paintballing or whatever. But, you know, if somebody's opened up a paintballing without masks place and three people went full fucking mm. PJ and Duncan. <laughs> Then, Brilliant reference. Well, yeah. <laughs> then you could bet your ass that that place wouldn't be open if somebody decided to fucking do bungee jumping with a, a series of fucking canvas belts crudely sewn together instead of a bungee rope. You can bet that that wouldn't last very long because it's mm. dangerous. You know, anything that you do in the health and safety is much maligned, but health and safety exists to stop people fucking injuring themselves because they don't necessarily have all of the info to fully appreciate the risks that they're putting themselves under. And with rugby players, as much as you say, well, they cross the white line, they fucking, they know what they sign up for. Do they? Are they, are they really thinking, well, I might leave this field never walking again, or I might leave this field when I retire and not be able to walk when I'm 50 or not be able to fucking. I think on one level kids. they probably do. But I still think good luck making that argument when you've got a 300 rugby players who have got life-changing yeah. you know, conditions. Yeah. And it's going to be a hard argument to make in World Rugby. One, are quite sensibly saying, well, we don't want people like that. No. And two, they're quite sensibly saying, and we don't fancy being bankrupt. And also, it's, there's a bit of a moral issue with, would you like lots of money to play this thing that might mean that you're in a wheelchair by the time you're in your mid forties, but it's for it's not for doing anything really worthwhile. You're not curing cancer. You're not like, you know, you're not fighting to protect democracy. You're providing entertainment for people, and you might be dead by the end of it, or you might have a drastically shortened lifespan, or you might not be able to recognise your wife. Yeah. I do think some of the arguments 60. don't help because some people just respond with, oh, so you want people to die then? And that doesn't help when you try to have a conversation about it because actually, no, I don't think no, people want that's people a fucking to die. bad faith argument. Yes, it is. No, start. of course you don't want people to die. But the, the point is, it's not just about dying, it's about carrying a, an injury for a long time or a life changing yeah. condition. And, you know, you look at people like um, Shantae and Harper, if you look up that interview yeah. online, it's terrible and terrifying yeah, and very sad. For all the very occasional sort of horrendous things that happen, like Matt Hampson or somebody dying, you know, that can you know, that really kind of strike a chord with people. And, you know, how many dozens of players are just like struggling with headaches every day or their memories yeah. fucked and have personality or, changes and behavioral yeah. changes as a result yeah. of it and all that stuff. Or they simply can't just fucking kneel and I don't down think and play you can grasp all of that signing your first contract at 19. You no, can't. I think it's unreasonable. And it's even too. less of a chance to grasp it if you're playing for fucking, you know, trinant well, seconds or, well, you know. Remember that whole fucking thing that came out a couple of weeks ago where that study sort of said that, like, 
the reality about sort of brain development and all these things is that you don't a human being doesn't become an adult properly until probably their late 20s or early 30s and the notion that someone is an adult at 18 is absolutely fucking patently developmentally absurd. nonsense yeah developmentally nonsense so you know you throw that into it as well and you're like you're somebody who's not really fully you know and who doesn't remember being a total fucking bell end when they were in their teens or their 20s you know i sure as shit was I often think that um, it's an interesting question. Sidebar. Well, often also we'll get back to the rugby in a minute. <laughs> you know, when you think to yourself because in your brain you don't think you're as old as you are. Mm. I'm in my forties now, and in my brain I don't think I'm in my forties. So, mm. what age do you think you are? I don't think I'm eighteen because that's no. too young, and I probably do think I'm still around my late twenties. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm... And I think that's probably something to do with what you've just said because that's when your brain yeah. finally becomes an adult. So when you look in the yeah. mirror and go, like when I watch telly and go. Bloody hell, he's 43, he looks old. And then I go, yeah. oh, fuck, oh, you know, God. he looks exactly the same as me. <laughs> but I still think I look like I did when I was 29. It's Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. But, you know, you you bring that into, you know, these players' careers will be over, you know. And the vast majority of them will have finished playing rugby before their brains, A, fully, de- you know, before mm. they were fully developed as both as mature adults incapable of, you know, making good decisions and all of these things. I'm not saying that, you know, some 18-year-old kid can't make a decision for himself because yeah. obviously there are there are tiers of responsibility and blah, 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 and some people are faster than others, etc. But, you know, this is science we're talking about here. Like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not fully capable of being a grown-up until you're in your late 20s or early 30s, like asking somebody to, spe- you know, spend 10 years having the shit beaten out of you every week for money that's a pretty good you know if you're you're not exactly fully thinking about the long-term ramifications of that are you when you're 21 or 22 and it's no you're not and yeah. it is a free choice because everyone has a free choice yes but i don't think it's a bit like you know it's like nobody reads all the small print today in a contract you just scroll to the bottom yeah. and go yes i've read the terms and conditions and i think yeah, it's people, a bit yeah. that, you know People who say, you know, well, they need the risks is like, oh, are you the sort of person that reads all 700 pages of the fucking iTunes thing every time your phone updates? <laughs> are you? you? Oh, you don't. Well, then stop. Well, then they say, well, that's that your argument. fault for not doing that. You chose yeah. exercise the choice to agree to something you didn't understand. Again, <laughs> yeah. and again, I, I actually appreciate that argument because yeah, you shouldn't yeah. say we don't agree. However, as I say, good luck when the class action mm. comes because, you know, that's what happened. Anyway, meanwhile, back in Paris, back in Paris he's been sent off and we agree it was a red card that he probably was still too high. Good decision. Yes. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, Luke Pierce had a very good game full stop. Like, in a game that bonkers, it would have been very easy to go full Wales versus Fiji just, in 2007. Yeah, just, let's just join just, in. This will be great. Yeah, let's just have a look. Yeah, this is insane. But, you know, right up until the end, Luke Pierce was making sensible when it looked like Rassing had scored um in the dying seconds off a fucking ridiculous passage of stupid errors from Toulouse <laughs> who were just knackered by that point it when it you know most refs would have just checked the ground in for that and then given it but he went hang on let's just make sure that that wasn't early contact in the air and I don't, you, you very, very, very rarely see refs go back for that, you know? Mm. A line-out to see if there was any, if, if a play, you know, when a ball gets turned over or gets knocked the wrong way, to see if 
somebody's because you know there's basically fucking illegal contact at every line out we know this mm. but he went back and checked it and got it right and he got pretty much everything right and, it was, good and it was still yeah and even though he was very officious and quite stern about a lot of things it didn't impact it wasn't like a sort of nigesque free-for-all mm. and yet it was still a brilliant game of rugby now it just shows you don't have to basically just fucking stop enforcing the rules <laughs> to make a good game of rugby. You just need both teams to actually fucking buy into it. That's a couple of things from me. How is Bastero playing for France when Jetoon is not? I'm not saying Jetoon's a perfect player, but seriously. But, come on. It's <laughs> come on. Like, some of the stuff that Toulouse were doing in that game was just pornographic. And it was and the pornographic shit was mainly being done by, you know, Lucas Towson, the uh, oh god, yeah, fucking hell, and he did that last week as well in the top fourteen. I saw a, a, a very similar outrageous porn offload, and I just you look at those players and you just think, if somebody like Warren Gatlin gets his hands on these people. France are going to fucking steamroller everything. Has he ruled himself out of that, those? <clears throat> uh, I don't know, has he? I think he's ruled uh, himself out of England and France. Okay. Certainly England, anyway, I think. I, I think England ruled himself out of England. By no, basically. sorry, he's ruled himself out of doing a little Alliance tour. That's what he's ruled oh, himself out of. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, well, you know, it's just an ambassadorial job, isn't it? So. Well, not a real coach's job, is it? <laughs> All you have to do is put um, a, a jersey on a coat hanger and say cunt over and over again. Job's done. Then go and press the flesh at some... <laughs> some fancy do. Some fancy do with yeah. the ambassador, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny, though, that uh, apparently England aren't going after Gatton now because they can't afford him because they've got to fix the roof at Twickenham and it's going to cost about 20 million quid. How is the Parliament it's, problem? It's just... Honestly, the RFU just can't get out of his own way at the moment. Amazing. It's bizarre. Can't right for doing wrong, as we Dan used to say. Hmm. Um, last shout out for me Sebastian Bezzi of course had to come on Bezzy, at yeah. outside half um, yeah and put in 22 bastard tackles <laughs> 22 tackles well contrast that with his opposite number Mr Russell Finn, Finn Russell do you, do you know what Finn Russell's stats for the day were go uh, he uh, attempted 14 tackles yeah and he made eight of them. <clears throat> he's not bad in defence normally either. No, that's he nice. missed 60% of his tackles. Good I know man. he's no damn bigger, but fucking <laughs> hell, that's not good. So, yeah, it was a great game for defending full stop. Yeah, and sometimes like, you don't want that, do you? We'd no, already had a few of them. Absolutely We'd seen a few that. of them. So. I just wanted mad shit with fucking everybody just throwing it all over the place. It was like taking that option of the Exeter Barbers. Mad shit, please. <laughs> Short back and sides or mad shit. Uh, yeah, so there you go. A, a humdinging weekend of games. Do you want to talk yes. about the uh, Challenge Cup quickly? Uh, do, do you? Well, only because there was some, <laughs> some batshit crazy nonsense there with Claremont beating Northampton. Northampton game was insane. And a 99-pointer <laughs> fucking madness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean... Bristol being not, completely abject against La Rochelle. Yeah, well, I, I, I fear for Bristol because I feel like they're hitting the opposite of form at the exact wrong time of their season. What's the opposite of form? Blob? 
absolute shit. I think it's <laughs> diarrhea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Claremont. If if we needed any further reminder that Claremont are incredibly angry about not being in the Champions Cup this season, just they're really not put, fucking about, are they? Just putting sixty on Saints is. They had a they had a mad game in the group stage though. Claremont, what's your prediction for the Challenge Cup this year? That prediction? <laughs> Pain. <laughs> Pain. I can't remember what, what was there was the, there was a mad result between Saints and uh yeah, it's forty eight forty in the group because Saints and Claremont yes. were in the group stages together. Oh, yeah. But this was just next level shit, obviously. Because sixty one thirty eight is is not a rugby score that should happen very often, but it was just some of the defending in that game as well. Holy Christ on a bike! Like, so <laughs> they were just particularly on the Saints side. Obviously, look, they conceded sixty points, but yes, like they were just letting like just uh, you can't be that easily fooled by a sidestep. And six of you sure as hell shouldn't be that easily fooled in the same move when somebody literally takes the ball on the 10-metre line from a line-out and just steps the entire defence and runs it under the posts. It was just I've seen Jason Robinson do that versus France once, but he wasn't playing in this game, was he? No, he wasn't. <laughs> um, Sale uh, had a good result against Connor. Yes. Uh, on to a semi for them. On to a semi for them. Uh, Quinn's just about beat Worcester. Um, Nobody cared. And nobody cared. Uh, and yeah, Bristol shat the bed against La Rochelle. So um, I think if anyone honestly in their right mind thinks anyone other than Claremont have oh. the Challenge Cup this year. But if anybody thought that from to... about 12 months ago when they, when yeah. they weren't in the, in, in the big cup. Well, Claremont, and, uh, Claremont have got Quinns in the next at home um, and La Rochelle have got oh, sales. So, nice uh, one, I Quinns. Yeah, I'd say a nice all French. I wouldn't be driving my Maserati all the way there to watch that game, would you? <laughs> no, I would not. Um, yeah, so an all-French final in Newcastle is going to be a really weird bit. So the semis are um, Leinster say, versus uh, Munster. Yes. In the Big Cup. Sarries versus Toulouse, is it, no? Uh, no, no, it's Leinster Toulouse, Sarries Munster. Sorry, so Sarri... Yeah, Sarri's Munster at the Rico and uh, Leinster to lose, which is a, a again a repeat of a, a group match game, but whatever. See, I made a big point before about Leinster's the only team that can, you know, maybe knock Sarri's off this perch they're heading on to, but that's assuming they beat Munster. That's not a given. I'm sorry, that sounded very dismissive no, of Munster's chances. I, th- I think Munster are obviously, you know, I, I don't think they'll go to, to the Rico with any fear because, you know... Mm. Munster have been here and done that too many times, I think. And even though this is obviously a different group of players, there is something about Munster in Europe that I don't think they really fear going 14 anywhere. 14 semi-finals now. Ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, it's not bad, is it? Um, right then, that's the end of the weekend's games. Before we go on to mm. shit good, uh, we were talking last week, we drifted into a bit of a sidebar about terrible Italian tens, if you remember. Oh, yes. And uh, I men- mentioned a few. So I thought, you know what? I need to get a full kind of list of this, of dreadful Italian tens. Yes, so, that's going to be a long list. Well, it's the seven of them. So well, I've done a bit of a mini rugby seven here of, okay. the, of, of terrible tens. I suppose, in no, well, they're sort of in a particular order. Right. Number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's go for the top shit Italian tens. Number seven, Roland de Marigny. Oh. 
man with a name like a Franco-Italian nobleman. Uh, yeah, he was tasked. He was one of the first ones tasked with taking over from Dominguez. Yeah, that did, worked out well, didn't it? Did t- well, it, it, not so horrendous consequences really. Nineteen matches, won seven of them. He was. He, that's why he's number seven. He's not one of the mm. two uh, big ones. Number six, Toby Botez, Tobias Boats, as he was often oh, called. Oh yes. Played three games at fly half at the beginning before being moved to scrum half, mostly playing off the bench. But they tried him at fly half for a while. God, it, it was a bad fucking situation, wasn't it? And Luke, again, another South African, because yes. uh, they, they went through a period of just going, I mean, they're still there, don't get me wrong, yeah. of just going, what what residency yeah. person can we have to Who play Who can ten? we try? He doesn't, he doesn't play it. it doesn't matter. <laughs> I reckon, you know, when you wrote, when you if you ever played championship manager back in the day? Oh, yeah. And you'd always kind of, for some reason, be drawn to the person with a foreign name. Absolutely, it's a hundred. And I think that's what effectively what yeah. what they do with anybody. But obviously, it's Italian names that aren't foreign, so they go for really sort of like boring. Yeah, the same names. way that I, I've never signed, you know, an English player or Championship manager, but I signed seven thousand Spaniards and Brazilians <laughs> because <laughs> I just like having fucking little. Because this fullback is called, you know, Dimenezes yeah. sounds better yeah. than yeah, it's fun. Josh Thomas, who's yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's number six, T- Toby Botez. Um, yeah. He was a fly off, uh, scrum off, really, but they never go. Number five, Luke McLean. <laughs> everyone's favourite, <laughs> everyone's favourite eighty-five cap reverse utility fullback. Yeah. Started his international career in two thousand and eight by playing six games at fly off. That was his. That's what he was actually selected to play fly off back then. Including a third, including a thirteen twelve win versus Argentina at Cordoba back in two thousand and eight. What different times we lived in. He's he has. Have you seen? He's Irish now, isn't he? He is. Have you seen his uh, London Irish headshot, where he literally just looks like he's walked off the set of Aquaman, or or off an Australian beach? He's gone full. Like flowing locks shul- and shoulder length flowing locks and beard. And to be, to be fair to him, he carries it well. He's, he's a good looking man. Good. He's an incredibly good looking man. Um, but what a journeyman. Look at the clubs, you know, Calvisiano, Treviso, Sale, Treviso, Irish. You know, he's been around the block. 85 he? caps. Hey, it's mad, isn't it? That's too much. <laughs> Even for him and for Italy, that's too much. Yeah. He's only 31 as well. You could still. Yeah. So he must have been like 19 when he made his yeah. 20 when he made his debut at fly half for Italy yeah he played for Perth Spirit he turned down a contract with Western Force and joined Treviso instead well he joined Calvisiano instead sorry and then went to Treviso so that was in, in 2000. 2000 2007 that was so so that was 2008 he was 20 yeah so he was 20 when he came over and he's had a a good 11 years, let's you know, be honest. Still getting away with it. Yeah. And uh, number four, speaking of Australians, and this is the year after Luke McLean didn't work oh, out so well. I know what you're going to say. Mr. Craig Gower. <laughs> oh, yes. An outstanding, genuinely outstanding rugby league halfback and full-time human disgrace. Uh, Gower's <laughs> behaviour was so poor. Think about how poor his behaviour must be because an Australian rugby league team sacked him. Yeah. How That's, badly would you have to behave for Australian rugby league team to sack you? Really bad. 
But going back to the point about people with foreign names and Italy's desperation, Italy yes. was, that didn't stop Italy from going, we'll have a bit of that. Get yourself over here. Played I mean, 14 yeah. times at number 10 for the Azzurri in 2009-10, losing every single one of them and scoring a block-busting 17 points. I can't believe I, th- I thought you played about three times. 14, started every single game. Wow. And they didn't think after the, you know, the seventh or eighth catch. <laughs> well, it's who else was there? Well, uh, yeah. Moving Still, on, to, fucking hell. Yeah, moving on to number on. three, Andrea Marcato. He had a go at Philly Dominguez. Him. He had a go at Philly Dominguez's shoes in 2005 as well. 2006, 2009, he was playing. He was a decent enough oh, fly half, actually. He's bought. Yeah, played a lot of international games at fullback, mainly because of our next selection and selection madness. <laughs> because the next selection was Andrea Mazzi. Who I was? Forgotten he played ten. He was a very decent centre. He played for Toulouse at the time. He's a very good centre. Decent centre. Ha- very good for Wasps. Nick Mallet decided that he fancied having him as uh, outside half. However, oh. he had less talent for kicking out of hands than a bloke with no feet and no hands. He was absolutely appalling at kicking the ball. Yeah. That didn't stop Nick Mallet giving it a go. And let's be honest, it wasn't the worst decision Nick Mallet made at halfback, was it? But mm. it was a terrible decision. And if you remember when he played, people out there will, if you remember when he played, because he couldn't kick out a hand, he had this incredibly elaborate plan and way <laughs> of throwing the ball to Marcato at third receiver at fullback to kick the ball. And of course, the first time it happened, people went, oh. And the second time it happened, the defence went, right, let's go and kill him. It really didn't work very well at all. I'm still bad. I can't believe that. I remember it happening, but I still can't quite believe it did. Because he was a big lad as well. He was a like, really wait, good, big, solid, he's, fast centre. He's a proper centre. big 12. Yeah. yeah. He was like a, perf- like a perfect sort of 2007 yeah. to 2013 <laughs> he was, yeah. side centre. He was, yeah. He was not a fly-off. Yeah. He was like a he discount Jamie football. Roberts. Yeah, he was good for Wasps. He was good. He played for Russian Metro. He was good for them. Hmm. Did he play for Toulouse? Hey? Did he play for Toulouse? I can't remember. No, he played for uh, Biritz and Racing. He was probably at Biritz when he he, he put him in a fly-off then. But what what were you thinking? Yeah, it didn't last very long. It lasted like one tournament, I think. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was horrendous. And then finally, number one, as if you needed to know, <laughs> and the all-time uh, little rugby seven of the shittest tens is Mr... I mean, to be fair, I think Gow was in there with a shout with this, actually, but to be fair, Kelly Hymona. 14 caps of quality, so poor, it's like they'd bought him from an Amstrad half fire sale. He was so bad. He kicked like his boot was a Toblerone. In one game versus England, he attempted eight tackles and missed six of them. In the famous 61-20 Super Saturday loss to Wales in Rome in 2015, because he was still playing then, he started the game, he started the game at fly-half, he ran zero metres and made (laughs) one tackle. Now, I know that wasn't a great game if you're Italian, but seriously... However, it was what, so he had such a weird kicking motion as well. He was like, so he bad. Kicked, he kicked the ball like he'd never kicked the ball before. 
there was no follow through on his kick. It was just so like it was like somebody had just told him to do it. <laughs> it's bizarre. He's coaching now. I'm not sure what he's coaching. Well, but you never know. He might be a great coach. I don't know. Yeah. But he was so far he's out of his co- depth. He's just... coaching Rotorua, and apparently he's doing a really good job. And he also, and he, 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 his last three caps were off the bench, and he came on at centre for all three of those. Wow. I mean, Italy just a shambles, aren't they? Bless them. Um, however, like so many others, and actually he played from 2013 to 2015. Mm. What's, what I haven't realised looking into this is that Tommy Allen was playing as early as like 2014. He's been knocking oh, yeah. around for ages in and out of the team. There was like some little sunlit uplands for a while, wasn't there? There was Dominguez, obviously. Ramiro Pez was okay. He had a terrible time at Leicester, but he was okay, Ramiro Pez. And then you had these little sunlit uplands of, of like Orcara, who looked all right for a little while. Kana looked like he might have solved the problem until like you said Kana last week. Kana was like the, the absolute like... yeah. You know, he was supposed to be the guy, and then. But in the midst no. of all this awfulness, what you know, what what all of these seven players have in common mm. is that all of them have beaten Scotland. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> not no. cruel, but it's just indicative of again what a nightmare Scotland were having for a period yeah. of time. But yeah, all this this sort of like parade of shambolic nonsense had managed to at least beat Scotland once. And you think when you think about what. They're doing at the moment, and you just think, this this isn't getting better, is it? The situation no. is not improving. Canna is should should be better. Absolutely. If you look at him be. and look at you know, if you look at his skill set, if you look at that kind of you know, the five skills in baseball and all that, mm. if you look at his skill set, it's He's fine. A five tool player. Five tool player. Regard. Thank yeah. you. That's the term I was looking for. Yeah. Um, he should be a lot better, but yeah, I don't know He's what really it is. Not. Yeah, he's really weird. not at all. Well, he's so good that Tommy Allen and Ian McKinley are better options than him. Yes. But it is just, yeah, it is a will this do production line, a never ending so. will this do. And the answer usually <laughs> is no, it won't. No, it so, won't, but we'll try it anyway. So there you go, a little mini rugby seven there of, of absolutely shit out Italian town. Yeah. Not shit out, shit Italian town. Just shit. Sure they were yeah. quite, no, Craig Gower was a shit house. He's yeah, probably yeah. like high grand wizard of the shit houses, is, is what Craig Gower is. <laughs> but, um, when we yeah, mentioned him last week, event, when we mentioned him last week, he's right there, isn't he? When we mentioned him last week, somebody actually tweeted me a couple of days after saying, "Your little mention of him made me go look him up on Wikipedia." Jesus Christ! It's like, yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> Craig Gower is uh, a really interesting character. Look up the golf club incident on Wikipedia, everybody. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, shall we go on to shit good now? We could probably yes, start with yeah. shit. It seems to. Fits quite yeah, well. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. Uh, um, what have you got? Shit. Uh, the continuing Gareth Anscombe situation. Yeah. Like it's just right. Like, just take the money, mate. Just take the money and go, because the WR and the Blues still can't fucking sort your contract out. There's barely a month left of the season. Bristol are offering you five hundred grand to go and play there. <laughs> to go play just the championship. You, like you wouldn't even have to move. For an extra hour's commute every day, you can earn half a million quid a year, play in front of big crowds in a really good stadium. Your stock might never be this high again. Yeah, like, and you just think 20... about the fact, yeah, if you get that contract for three years, that's an extra 600 grand yeah. in your bank for when your career yeah. ends. Yeah, and you're 27 years old. This Minus might be tax. the last. 
this might be the last big contract he signs. Like, motherfucker, take the cash, man. Like, I know he wants to play test rugby. I wanted to play test rugby. But for long-term security, if the WIU and Blues cannot sort their fucking shit out, just fucking go, man. And what's the uh, this nonsense? It's that Welsh rugby nonsensical circle with the fans, isn't it? I don't mm. want to pay and watch pro rugby because I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not going to pay a subscription to Premier Sports because I don't want to. Mm. Why but can't you pay get... Gareth Amscombe as much to keep him here? Yeah, you know, it's it's the, 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 the the cognitive dissonance between the positions never quite seems to to drop, does it? No, and and it's it's something that frustrates me on a near fucking daily basis, to be <laughs> honest, but. Yeah, it is that thing of just like, well, why is anyone surprised that the WIU and the Blues can't afford to pay a player? You know, Bristol are already playing one player a fucking half a million quid a season in Charles Pietro, and so they're just going to go, well, and they're, and they're about to pay another one in Nathan Hughes. So how the fuck they're offering? <laughs> they're only supposed to have two outside of the salary cap, so... Paying shitloads of youngsters how... not much money, I'm guessing, to make I'm it guessing, work. Well, yeah, that's certainly what they're saying. But, like, yeah, it's... Just fucking go, man. Going just for go the, and uh, do it. The famous Real Madrid Zidane's e Pavone's approach. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. When they uh, had Zinedine Zidane and Francisco Pavon, it didn't work because Francisco Pavon was shit. Was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of how Bristol work. Well, it's like they're going to have find, Nathan Hughes, yeah. Charles Piertau, and... Uh, and Gareth Hanscom and absolutely no one else. But more power to him. Go, take your money. Make your money, young man. What else have we got to shit? Oshin gets in touch on Twitter. He says, shit, was Zach Holmes's freestyle windpipe in Roadshow? Yes. Yeah. Well, we cannot talk about that again. I think we did at least 12 no. minutes of putting the world to rights on that yeah. one. Katie Watson gets in touch. Hello, Katie. She says... The SRU's Mother's Day tweet, oh, which, Jesus. which neglected cool. to suggest that mums could also play rugby, resigning them instead to being supporters, coaches, laundry women, and a taxi service. It's been deleted since. <laughs> but she I got she did send me a screenshot of it. Quite the own goal. Yeah. It's not, it's not And I'm good, sure they're it? not they didn't do it on purpose. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm giving not, I'm you know, giving people the best of intentions here. Just have a fucking... But it, I think it's quite revealing though, isn't it? It is. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's the, it's the unconscious racism thing. It's the unconscious yeah. kind of sexism thing, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm not even saying the person who wrote it was deliberately sexist. No, no. But, but it, it just demonstrates it's, it's, something, As you say, it? it's revealing that they're like, oh, remember your mum's because she cleans your kit for you. Yes. Not because she might also be playing rugby. <laughs> today. Good luck know? to all the mothers playing rugby today, might yeah. have been one to say, might mm. Or this weekend. Yeah, well, good luck to all the mothers who were, who were sat bruised yeah. eating their Mother's Day dinner because yeah. they played yeah, yesterday. Thanks to all the mums, whether you're playing, supporting, <laughs> or whatever, you know, you can say about cleaning up, the kits if you It was really a balls up, but it was revealing. You don't, want, to, <laughs> yes. you don't want somebody to get sacked for this or anything. It's ridiculous, but it is revealing. What else we got? Speaking of balls up, or certainly going up in the air at a rate of knots, uh, Tag Burns' comical flop. Like... We've all become accustomed to backs flopping and throwing themselves on the floor at the slightest contact, but locks, come on. I think he it did, was... actually, in fairness to him, I think he did get nudged, and I think he then he kind did. of bumped off somebody else, but he did make the <laughs> most did, of it. It wasn't quite as much of a, a dive as I think, I don't think. He but... didn't need to do a triple pike before no, he, he hurled himself into the deck, <laughs> arms aloft as he's going down. Like, come yeah, on, People man. don't fall over like that, do they? No. You put your arms out <laughs> to stop yourself from yeah. falling. Yeah, you don't go... Look but at he's, me. I mean, what I will yeah. say, we're good, good late, but I'll pick it up now. 
see the first time I've seen him live. He's everywhere. Fucking hell, what a player. <laughs> and there is something about the blue scrum crap that makes you notice, but actually yeah, he's yeah. just absolutely everywhere. And every breakdown, he's a, I don't know how, but seemingly at almost any break, every and every breakdown, he's a total fucking nuisance. He's, nuisance. he's either winning the ball like or he's just making it so bloody difficult. And his fitness levels, man, and his stamina. One thing I will, the only thing I would pull him up on, which is like a really shitty thing to pull up on, is that he needs to actually just with his carries put his head down sometimes. Yeah, he needs to carry his weight a bit because he does that like, jump genuinely. step before he goes yeah. in, like a bit like Falatau, but he's not mm. quite athletic enough as Falatau to get away with it. So I do think sometimes you just need to just just put your head down. Yeah, you're and a go, big lad, mate. Drop you your shoulder run. and run. Yeah, yeah, you can run your weight if you feel like it. And it's that's a very very minor and unfair yeah. complaint because honestly yeah. he was stupendous. Yeah, and I can see why uh, Scarlets fans were very very sorry to see him go. Yeah. Speaking of running your weight, uh, Vakatawa has fully been on the pies. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I thought Bastero was playing 13 for Racing on Sunday. <laughs> he is ballooned so, like, he's so dramatic and so quick. Like, and it's not just he's got fat. Like, every bit of him looks like he's been inflated. <laughs> he's like, he's had an allergic reaction to something and he desperately needs some sort of antihistamine. <laughs> It's bizarre. <laughs> he looks like he's sat on the valve of a honey dispenser and it's filled him up. It's, he's just done nothing but just sort of mainline foie gras for just the last, whenever it was the last time I saw him because he's huge I now. if you pressed him, he'd feel like a stretchy Armstrong toy. You know what I mean? Kind of... It's certainly his face now. Like, his forehead looks like you would poke it and you'd get a bit of... Sort <laughs> you'd leave a like, finger indented yeah. it. It's like foreheads should never be flabby. How has that happened? <laughs> Bizarre. Even Serge Blanco's got a burning bony forehead. I went French then, <laughs> a burning forehead. <laughs> oh dear, full Inspector Clouseau. I'm very sorry yeah. to anybody who's French and is listening. Um, <laughs> what else have we got this shit there? Joe Tarring gets in touch. He said, can I just recycle my shit from last week? Hey, tell you what, on this podcast, that's pretty much all Absolutely. we do. So yeah. He said uh, from last week, and reiterate that the yellow card for a needless no-arms tackle further demonstrates that Naya Avoro is utterly incompetent at the absolute <laughs> basics of rugby. that was so fucking Oliver Oliver McGrath also got in touch about this and said, shit is Naya Avoro, attempting to behead Arthur Iteria <laughs> with his shoulder. What was great about that as well is that we nearly got Iteria versus Courtney Laws afterwards, yes, which would have been tasty. <laughs> It was glorious because of the stupidity, obviously, because there was that was always going to be a penalty. You might as well have just let him score and stay on the field for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's because he was running in. He was yeah. untouched. The way that he was flew in shoulder first was always going to be a penalty and always going to be a penalty try. It was just comically... St- he needs to go to Sarri's for a bit. And have- <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. needs to get the Sarri's sense... He's got a Sarri's again. <laughs> Whatever Sarri's do to people's brains, put a probe <laughs> in or something. <laughs> you got any more shit? Um, slightly more seriously, uh, Dan Levy getting injured, man. Oh, I know. Out but... of the World Cup. Fucking gutted for him. Like to, he's, They've missed him so... I, I know Leinster and Ireland both got comical back row depth, but both they both missed the shit out of him. You know, hmm. he is a class apart amongst those all of those ridiculously good back rows and second game back from injury and to suffer a bad one and miss a World Cup is just a fucking sickener. Like 
yeah, it's gutting for him. What else we got to shit here? Linda Mason gets in touch. Hello, Linda. She says shit was she's a Racing ninety two fan, Linda. And a Dragons fan, I think. I get confused. Oh. Clarify that for us, Linda, if you want. She said shit is that Racing 92's unfailing ability to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory, even when they've got an extra player. She said, and also shit is that bloody awful hang arena soulless place built for 40,000 people when we couldn't fill our last stadium. <laughs> said, and shit is also the bloody uncouth president who blamed the supporters for the loss of the game. Come on. I'd, yeah, I'd be right back to him saying, yeah, but hey, I have my boots with me, mate. If you want me to help out, I'd have quite happily gone on there. Quite happily gone on there. Well, they would have done a better job of some of the defending than a lot of the actual paid players would have at various points. Yeah. Any more shit? Uh, Stuart Hogg's lid. Ooh. If you're seeing Jack Knowles as a style icon, you've got bigger problems than looking a bit rusty on your first game back from injury. I saw, oh, I'll tell you what, when I went into, uh, speaking of shit, I went into the President's Lounge afterwards, after the game, which mm. sounds grand that it is anybody can go in. You just ah. walk in. Yeah. I think on, on these games, you probably can't on Six Nations and stuff. But So I walked in because they had the Glasgow game on, but I ended up not staying. But it's where in that, that's where BT Sport have their desk set up, where people are always milling behind it and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was within, literally within spitting di- distance of the fucking clunge goblin Austin Healy. Did he? No, I didn't say that. I just saw him in front of I said wanker. Anyway, it was, <laughs> but uh, the, but um, Donnacro Callaghan was sat on the desk. And my my mate who I was with from work went, who's that? I said, it's Donald Callan. He said, what's going on with his teeth? Because <laughs> his teeth are so white. And under those studio <laughs> lights, it was like, I think it's Donald Callaghan. I can't see for light bouncing off his teeth. But yeah, so he said, is he still playing? I said, no, he said, well, yeah, he can't be with those teeth, can he? <laughs> so I know, do we think which, that Donald Callaghan's had his teeth polished since he came out and stopped playing? Well, he hasn't even stopped playing yet, but I mean, he's basically there. Was he still at Worcester? Uh, uh, I thought he's retired. But speaking of players who who uh, are clearly preparing themselves for retirement, Jamie Roberts has gone to the Advanced Hair Studio, big style. Yeah, I've I've read, I've read this before. Yeah, is it? And lots he's, of people confirm and they agreed with you. It's it's too so like he now has a line that just goes across. You know, he's not a man of little forehead, Jamie. <laughs> no, he's not. And no. it's very obvious that that hairline has been drawn by a pen now. <laughs> Because it's just too neat. He's that microbladed his hair like, onto his he forehead. Was, he was, you know, he has been, you know, fighting the Alan Wynne Jones fight for quite some. And you know, I sympathise. I, if I was rich and I was thirty-one or two and I was going proper bald, I'd fucking be, you know, right behind Shane Warne in the queue. But yeah, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> why do they? Why do they do this? Why do they make it so so neat and symmetrical to make it really obvious that you've had it done? Because I, I, I've got so much hair, not wanting to rub yeah. anything into anybody. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what it feels like to be so distressed by going bald. So I have to think what it must be like for them, that it's obviously so bad they can't handle not doing something about it. Well, most of us probably don't give a shit, do they? But... Yeah, I think you've, got to, you've either got to lean into it early doors or you've got to try and, you know... I'm receding at a relative rate of knots, and I'm quite upset about it. I can't afford to go to the downstairs studio, so I've just got to... You can draw it on with a pen like Jamie's done. Yeah, <laughs> I've just got to buy increasingly expensive shampoos that don't do Or is it Alperson you know. caffeine? 
Uh, I haven't gone that far yet. No, I've gone various other. I only things, know about that because you said like it, on cycling coverage, it used to constantly. Be... Well, it says a lot that the BT Sport rugby coverage is peppered with advanced hair studio adverts. <laughs> well, it's nice that they've got people who are not cricketers. Why was it such a thing? What is it about their market research that we need cricketers well, to cricketers. be the guy? We need yeah, Graham yeah. Gooch, who's quite obviously a massively <laughs> potent salesperson. It's really strange. But at the moment, they've got oh fuck, who have they got? They've Darren got somebody Goff. in. They've got Shane Darren Goff Warren. interviewing Shane Warne. Oh, it's about awful, it. isn't it? It's fucking terrible. How is it that Darren, Darren Goff, who's a radio broadcaster, is so fucking terrible at acting? <laughs> it's re- I, don't, I, don't, I really don't get it's it. It's weird, that, isn't it? So it just imagine you did a normal interview like you would be on TalkSport Drive. I realise it's not some right-wing taxi driver ringing in, but, you know, just try and... <laughs> Still, just... like... Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It is weird. Anyway, yeah, should you know, we go on to good now? To have it, I'm sure, but it looks bad. Should we go on to good now? Yes. I've already mentioned Tyburn. That was mine. The other one for me yeah. was the other Burn, Ross Burn. Yes. Who, you know... One-legged fucking game bless winner. Him. But actually, to be yeah. fair, held it together without that anyway. Very well, very you well. know. Leinster's sons, Johnny Sexton, a couple of years ago, would not have won that game. Yeah, probably, yeah. And no conjecture, fair. but yes, I can see that. You got any other... You got goods? Uh, Dupont, electric, oh. amazing. I love him. Marry me, Antoine. Scored a try. Yeah. Fifty-seven meters run. Yeah. Beat ten defenders. Yeah. Put sixteen tackles in. The little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> sixteen tackles. I got a lot. Of... Also, he's got, and I got a lot of time for this. An absolutely massive head in relation yeah, to the size of his way body. Way too big for his body. He looks like a British bulldog. He looks like he should be losing his balance and flipping over all the time. Um, various Saracens players. Mm-hmm. Take your pick, really. Uh, Jamie George was a monster. Uh, Liam Williams was fucking fantastic. Bad Barrett was really good as well, to be fair. He always is. It's a mystery. Yeah, and then he went and got injured, but, you know, like, yeah, they were just, you know, from 1 to 23, they were fucking on it. He's not the one who... Uh... Nigel Ray's invested in his business. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that he's a club captain and linchpin of everything they do. He just simply likes looking likes after him. people. Likes investing. Really likes him. <laughs> he likes investing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Your hopes and dreams may differ from Saracen's shareholders and its subsidiaries and shareholders. The, um, <laughs> right, so uh, what else we've got is good. Jack Hurst gets in touch on Twitter. He says, good is Bill Beaumont putting down his Raspberry Ripple ice cream to come and watch... Filed play away at Wharfdale. Oh, no, hey, that'd have been great because Wharfdale, the coat, the chair, you know, who the chair of Wharfdale is, don't you? Oh, John, Ben, sir. Sensational. <laughs> so, so <laughs> it would have been Bill and John, Ben, sir, in the boardroom. <laughs> have you got any ice cream, Bill? Have you got any ice cream, John? <laughs> yeah. Do you want raspberry ripple? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, I was enjoying that too much. Sorry. Yeah, um, Graham Love gets in touch. He said, "Shit, we got sorry, we've done shit." He said, "Henry, the human equivalent of buffering Pergos." Yes, <laughs> he said that Good was meeting up with me. Oh, that's very nice, Graham, at the Edinburgh game and shaking my hand not once, not twice, but on three separate occasions. That's true. What was funny was <laughs> I spotted him not far from where I was sitting, and I waved, and he waved back. And what I realised is he must get a lot of this because he's quite distinctive looking, and people yes. watch his videos. So I waved and I went over. <laughs> I went over to him and I said, all right, how are you doing? And he went, oh, it's very nice to meet you. 
And I said, so have you traveled far today? And he, and he went, oh, it's Lee. Because <laughs> I forget, people don't know what I look like. People don't look at Spencer and I were looking at you like I do every week. It was only, it was yeah. only as soon as I started speaking, he obviously tweaked <laughs> that it was my, it was my uh, voice. So I shook his hand. And then after the game, he came out of the stadium and I shook his hand again. Then when I was leaving, I shook his hand. So that's what he's talking about there. It was nice. an incredible, like yeah. a tsunami of British politeness that was um, <laughs> that, that was all over us. Yeah. Um, but it was great to meet you, Graham. Thanks very much. Indeed. Uh, good from Jamie Phillips uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Sunwolves making oh. a mockery of Sean Holly's uh, <laughs> defensive. A brilliant jinxing. Yeah, amazing jinxing. Um <laughs> And also, don't tell uh, me you didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, their fly half Hayden Parker for he's now kicked thirty-two kicks in a row. And did you see and, that and last that kick? One, the by fucking the way. banana yeah. kick thing was unbelievable. That must have started. I'm not even joking. About twenty meters outside the posts, again yeah. back in. And the best part is, as, as Jamie points out, before he last missed a kick last year, and before that. He kicked that one miss. He kicked 38 in a row before that. Jesus Like, Christ. somebody is going to just go... Somebody in Europe, in France, let's be honest, <laughs> yes. is just writing a cheque with a lot of numbers after it right now, surely, because I don't care if he's shit at everything else. If you can kick like that, you can win games in the top 14. Leicester should be looking at him. Leicester should Absolutely. be building a Leicester 2000, <laughs> mid-2000 style pack Absolutely and employing him, and everything will get itself sorted. Well, they've already signed that thing. Oh, they signed Lavanini, haven't they? Yes, oh, yeah. Somebody said to and me, it's not going to help. absolute shithouse they need. Somebody said to me, it won't help with their penalty count. I said, that's not a metric I'm concerned with. It's it's how much of a laugh is it going to be is what I'm concerned with. And it's going to be a glorious laugh. It is. Oh, what else have we got that's uh, sheer good here? We've got Stuart Geddes gets in touch on Twitter. He said, good was Darcy Graham again, showing that you don't have to be as thick as you are tall to carry the ball through contracts. It's true. I know people keep talking, it's, it's becoming a cliche with him now about deceptively strong. But I think it's a combination. It's dynamic strength he's got rather than anything. Do you know what I mean? He he, he powers yeah, at the right, the perfect excited. time. Yeah, he's got good... Through contact as well. He, yeah. he actually... He he's has got a cha- power leg strength he's got. He has a change yeah. of pace through contact. Mm. That with, with A change of direction and a change of pace through contact, which is actually more unusual than... Well, when you see him, you realise it's more unusual than it actually it, is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Rhys not gets in touch on Twitter. He says, "Good is Lucas Tozan. He's obscenely good Absolutely. for a twenty-year-old." He said, "And even better than that is that he's not a Johan Uge." <laughs> well, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Could correct. Imagine uh, them on in the same team, though. You know, just a combination of shit and flair. <laughs> I'd enjoy that. Would, yeah. With Cheslin Colbert at fullback, just being a fucking absolute Brilliant. ledge. Uh, what else have we got here? Graham Golvin gets in touch. He says, good as a travelling monster support. Gracious, humble, kind and knowledgeable. They were very good. I was sat amongst a big group of them, actually. They made a hell of a lot of noise. Hell of a lot of noise mm. across the whole stadium. And I, was, I must apologise to Graham because he was trying to get me to catch up with him, but then the pub he was in, I was past it before I kind of realised where I was and I had to go and get the train. So was, I'm really sorry to have missed you, Graham. Uh, Tom gets in touch on Twitter. He says that good is no doubt you've discussed that offload. Yes. Let's not, br- but let's not brush over the one-handed catch that followed it. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, that whole try was just glorious fun, and I loved it. And <laughs> I could just that on repeat forever, please. Uh, 
And Gareth Jones, Gaz Fabio, gets in touch and says, good is Stuart McAnally, who didn't deserve to be on the losing side. Well, indeed, if he hadn't gone off, it might not have happened. They probably well, done. They were down by well. then, but they wouldn't have lost that line out, I don't think. <laughs> Fucking no. Ross Ford. Uh, Honest to God, I literally said, watch this now. This is going to go wrong. Ross, the number, I actually, because they'd say it was Ross Ford. I said, that number 16 has just come on. This line out's going to go wrong now. And as sure as eggs is eggs. <laughs> that's what happened. As sure as folds is folds. <laughs> have you got any more goods? Uh, I don't know, have I? I don't no. know. I asked you. No, probably not. No. Right then, that probably brings us, unless I've had any last minute ones come through on Twitter, so have a look. Ones that are just using. I think we've got through most of them, haven't we? I think we have got through most of them. Yeah. I think it, there was because there's only four games. There's a finite amount of goods that people yeah. can find. A lot of people recommended the same thing, so thank you. Yeah, if thank you. Did you submit something yeah. and we we didn't read you were one out. And also, we apologise if we just nicked it and said it ourselves. Yeah, because you know we are nothing if not. <laughs> Fergal Carney gets in touch with a, a couple of goods. He said, "Good was Keith Earls, who was again superb." Yeah. Much to Josh's chagrin, yes. Well, you know, I've learned to live with it. He said also good was Conor Murray's backwards suplex on Henry Perkins. Yeah, that was, like, how was that not a I don't know how these things aren't picked up. It's very, very Oh, odd. that was mad. That was a proper fucking... They'll go back three phases was... in case somebody might have knocked on with a little finger, yeah, but they won't, they won't go back to somebody. somebody getting fucking atomic suplex into the deck, yeah. <laughs> and he also says as good as a much maligned John Lacey... Who pinged a scrum half for not using the ball after being told at the weekend? Yes, in, it was Andy Uren in Bristol uh, against La Rochelle. Yeah, they said use it. He didn't use it. And he just fucking did what referees should do. Amazing. They'd start moving it quicker then, wouldn't they? Yeah. Thank you, everybody. It was a long one again. That's what happened when you put a scrum seven in the middle, you see. Yeah, it is a bit. Uh, uh, you know. We'll speak to you all next week when I don't even know what's happening next week, but it's the domestic uh, leagues. Probably is it? rugby, I would imagine. <laughs> There'll be rugby to talk about. That's the main <laughs> thing. Speak to you all very soon. Take care. Goodbye. Cheers. There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan, innovation that excites. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.